Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Joining us on the Great Midwest Bank Hotline, it's my pleasure to bring Tony DeZina from NBCSports.com onto the show. Welcome. welcome. Hey, Z-Man. Hope to bring a little sunshine on a rainy Saturday for you. Yeah, it's a little dreary. Uh, good, good, good football weather, I guess. Was the Badgers roll good off for, here a little yeah, bit? Good for indulging in the little football inside and all talking some uh, talking stuff here. So, Road Atlanta, tell us about your uh, your little trip down there. Yeah, just um, was down there for the uh, IMSA season finale last week. Uh, the uh, WeatherTech Championship. Most of its championships were uh, pretty much set going into the weekend. The Taylor brothers won the uh, prototype and overall championship. Uh, Christina Nielsen and uh, Alessandro Balzon won GT Daytona. The Corvette pair, Jan Magnussen and Antonio Garcia won that title. And then uh, Wisconsin, Sheboygan, Wisconsin's finest, uh, James French and uh, Pato Award won the PC title. But none of those guys had good races. Um, the Taylor guys had a mechanical. The PC guys got crashed out, lost the perfect season. Corvette guys were second. And the Ferrari had all sorts of issues, starting with crashing into Elio Castroneves off the start, um, had to go behind the wall for uh, other repairs, and only finished ninth. So we're left with a situation where the uh, – Tequila Patron guys, uh, the Nissan team, they won it overall with uh, Brendan Hartley and Ryan DL and Scott Sharp. And in the week that's followed, um, pretty much all any of or all of those uh, drivers have become other stories in other series or other teams. So uh, we we had we capped the season and it didn't feel at all like a season finale. It started. It almost felt like a, a start of things to come for the rest of 2017 and into 2018. Yeah, we'll we'll come back to Brandon Hartley in just a second. But um, if 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 I'm an IMSA prototype team, how scared am I of Team Penske, who really hit the ground running? This is kind of just kind of let's kind of shake the dust off our shoes here. We haven't run prototypes in five five six years, whatever it's been, and let's just kind of do a little test session here. Boom, they end up on the podium. Yeah, ho-hum, right? I yeah. mean, the, the car has been rebuilt after a, a testing accident. Castroneves sticks it on the pole. Uh, they complete, you know, they go from saying, oh, our driver changes are comical, but they're obviously <laughs> they're obviously good enough at them because they, they stayed out of trouble once they avoided the, the comeback, getting hit early on. They finished on the podium. And the difference here is this wasn't with their Acura prototype that they're going to run next year. This is with a, a global P2 car, an Orica. So what that means is it's kind of a car that's open to anybody. And I think that showed the performance of what that car can do in a team that, that shows up. You know, for the, the rest of the IMSA paddock, I wrote about this in a column earlier this week. Uh, you know, there's a, there's a really good level of preparation for pretty much most of the teams on the IMSA field. But then Penske comes in and it's like, oh boy, there's the, the from the optics, the presentation, the the performance, the, the hitting the ground running this solidly, uh, it, it might send shockwaves down uh, down some of the competitor spines, and it's going to force a lot of people to raise their game as a result. Yeah, I I, I certainly uh, agree with that. I mean, it, it's it's interesting um, when when a team like Penske does that, it, it kind of raises the bar for everybody. And I guess everybody, you know, it's, it, it's with any sport that can happen to, uh, I mean, you, you just hope it, it doesn't turn into a situation like Mercedes where, where the technology isn't necessarily on the same level playing field. I don't think we 
have to worry about it as, as much in, in the IMSA next year. But uh, you, you you just wonder about, you know, is Penske going to be dominate? It's just going to be total domination of this, of this series next year. I don't think so. I mean, it is still a new car and that there are a lot of other good components. The Nissan team has mentioned Mazda will be a lot better next year. And Cadillac, of course, is the defending champions now with a, uh, three cars. Uh, the rest of the manufacturers only have two, so they do have one extra car compared to the rest of the field. Um, quite who Jordan Taylor will have as a teammate is kind of the next big question mark um, within that paddock. In just terms of who's going to replace Ricky Taylor, the uh, the brothers have, uh, you know, they've they've done all that they've accomplished this year, and uh, Ricky is now off the Penske next year. So that's a it's a big step in his career, and I think one that was born as early as. February this year when he tested an IndyCar for them at uh, Homestead. Christina Nielsen wins the championship. Unfortunately, she loses her ride. Um, and then the same week, you know, the same week, Carmen Jordan comes in and says, well, maybe we should have an all-female uh, F1 series. What was your, what's your opinions of where, where's Christina going to end up, you think? Um, Christina has, I think, one, I've heard of at least one or two team options for her next year. She doesn't really know yet, but she wants to stay in GTD. She wants to have a chance to go for another championship, prove that her success wasn't down to just that team, Scuderia Course and, and Alessandro Balzon. They've won the last two titles together. That team then won the title prior to that with uh, Townsend Bell and Bill Swedler a couple of years before. So they've actually won four of the last five championships. So um, I would expect her to, to know, hopefully within the next month, kind of what she's doing because with testing over the off season, you kind of already have to ramp up. Daytona is only three months off. It's crazy. IndyCars had one month into its silly, you know, off season and it still has five more months before, before they race. So there's, there's a compressed timeline to get things done in IMSA uh, before Daytona kicks off. Yeah. And then the kind of the news kind of took everybody by surprise this weekend was uh, Brendan Hartley, the uh, running, uh, making his, uh, F1 debut with the Toro Rosso in Austin coming up here. And I, I, I'm real excited about it. I, like I said, I, this kid really hit, I caught a lot of, uh, us in the area here, uh, when, when he won in, uh, uh at road America a couple of years ago, he's, he's a really quick driver. He's, uh, suggested to be the number two Ganassi driver next year and, uh, kind of, kind of a bright future. If he is hooked in with Ganassi, why, why is he running in Austin? A uh, complicated scenario that can be boiled down to Toro Rosso doesn't really have any other options because there's there's a limit on who you can pick for F1 seeds. They have to have a certain number of super license points, which Brendan Hartley has from being a, a WEC champion. Okay. The problem is he hasn't driven any recent F1 machinery. Like He's been in old mercedes but that was five years ago and he was dropped by red bull seven years ago so why is he in uh carlos Sainz jr is off to renault so have his first drive with them next week uh pierre gasly who would have been in is racing for honda for their in a japanese uh, open wheel series called super formula he's less than a point off the championship lead there so he's trying to get that honda would rather him win that championship and then their third driver, Daniel Kafia, the, the Torpedo, uh, who's not exactly endeared himself to the paddock. He's kind of fallen out of favor, but is more a driver of necessity than by choice at this point. He's in, but they needed a fourth driver. So Hartley, which you know we sort of caught wind of earlier this week, and you know credit to my colleague Luke Smith, who was you know 
wanted to push it, but I think we were also, you know, careful that we were just kind of blinded by, by the craziness of a guy that hasn't driven an open wheel in five years and, you know, is really only eligible by way of some, some personal ties to Red Bull. And he's been outstanding in sports cars with Porsche. You know, he got picked up after that Road America one, but, uh, yeah, it's uh, it's very much an out of left field choice, but one that is deserved. And I think as to what it does for 2018, suddenly if he has you know one race, does really well, gets two or three more this year, uh, which he could do. There's no conflicts. Maybe that throws the Ganassi thing into into question. So mm-hmm. um, all of a sudden you've got a guy who went from sports car only to now the most coveted free agent, goofy looking hilarious blonde hair but super nice super talented kiwi who's all over the map yeah i mean i I, i'd love i'm really interested i mean this is and i kind of wish f1 you know my theory is i always thought f1 should run a third car uh, a few times a year let's say four times of the year including the test driver's home race so let's say Toro Rosso has an American driver. You know, Tony DeZeno is a uh, is test driver for Toro Rosso. So Tony, you'd run the uh, uh, Austin and then like three other races. You know, let's say Monza, wherever, and then fill in and then kind of have a even so we'd have like twenty four cars, give or take one or two on the on the grid. Be nice. I, I mean, the, you have to account for the budgets for that. Right. Um, third the third car thing they've. If F1's had it off and on before, um, as recently as I think 2005 or six, was they they had a third car that ran in FP1, and kind of what they've done, they've they've carried that over to allow for certain drivers that bring budgets can be the third driver to run in that FP1 session. We've seen that with uh, Charles Leclerc among others this year, uh, who've been in that spot. It'd be nice, and it'd be something to help car count, but. Uh, you also run the risk there where if every team has a third car or a selected number, then that takes points away from the smaller teams, say a Ferrari or Mercedes or Red Bull had a third car. All of a sudden, that's, you know, theoretically nine out of the top ten spots. So I, I like I like getting guys in on race weekends, but, you know, I, I don't necessarily see a third car as the best way to do it actually in, in races themselves. Talking to Tony Zeno on the Great Midwest Bank Hotline from NBCSports.com. All right, let's. Penske announced a, a couple of drivers over the weekend for the, uh, I guess the extended races. Uh, that was just, that would include the twenty four hours of Daytona, twelve hours of Sebring and Petite, and uh, Graham Rahal is going to be one of the drivers. So I guess let, 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 let's run down the complete list here of the Penske prototype drivers where we're at now. Right. So we have six drivers and one car will be Juan Pablo Montoya, Dane Cameron with Simon Pagano is its third driver. And then the second car will be Elio Castroneves, Ricky Taylor with Graham Rahal as its third driver. And I would say five of those six were expected. The Graham one was not. Uh, but there's a couple of reasons for that. One, Rahal is an, an accurate dealer. You know, he's, he's got... Um, he's been involved with the NSX testing road car program before, and also he's spoken very highly about Penske over the years. The the thing that, that sticks out to me is when you consider the look at other Penske guys that would have been available, i.e. Joseph Newgarden or Will Power, neither one of them has a ton of sports car experience, and Graham has a lot of sports car experience, both in prototypes and in GT cars. 
So this means that Honda is basically saying, look, we value your development, we value your feedback, and we value your endurance and your reliability. Uh, Graham does not make a lot of mistakes, and in a lineup like that, he's not necessarily going to be the out-and-out fastest guy, but he's going to help bring it home in one piece. So you've got two guys with Castro Nevis and Ricky Taylor who are you know, known one-lap demons, and Graham is, is a very good third choice, um, albeit a surprising one given some of the other options they had in play. Right. And did, did I hear this right? He did not even mention it to his dad until the the, the, the night before? Yeah, apparently not. So <laughs> um, I think he said that on the teleconference this week, and it was uh, pretty interesting to, to hear that. I think it was probably one of those, hey, Dad, I, it's not a good week to be a dad of a young star. You know, Wayne Taylor loses Ricky Depensky, Bobby Rahal loses Graham Depensky, and they both have to, to fill from, from elsewhere for their IMSA programs. But, you know, good on them, I think. I think that's every driver's dream is to get to that. And, you know, in Graham's case, he's kind of got the best of both worlds because, you know, if he impresses with Penske in a sports car program, maybe two, three years down the line, that opens up an IndyCar door for him at Penske. He's still mm-hmm. only 28, hard as that is to believe. And, you know, Will Powers in his mid-30s, you don't know how much longer he'll do it. You know, Pagano's same thing. You know, could this be a longer-term play from Graham's thing if he impresses enough? So uh, there's there's a lot of – there's a lot of four – forward thinking that'll come with uh with this uh signing very interesting as i say tony can you hang on for a quick break here and then we'll talk indycar when we come back yeah sure schedule and the like excellent tony dezino talking to us in the great midwest bank hotline we're gonna take a quick break and when we come back we'll talk about indycar with tony dezino from nbc sports joining us on the great midwest bank hotline of course is tony dezino from nbc sports and we're switching to indycars now uh the schedule was released for next year and uh, I, I guess it's not a surprise, but an old friend has returned, hasn't it? Yep. Um, Portland International Raceway back on the calendar, probably a year ahead of schedule. I think they were more likely a 2019 ad, but uh, marriage of convenience comes together with Watkins Glen and IndyCar and able to come together on a date that worked for them. Uh, Labor Day didn't really work for either party. A bit of a shame. Um, and it's something where, you know, just as a fan, if, if you want to have both IndyCar and IMSA on the same weekend, you really only have two options for that Long Beach and Detroit. Well, IMSA runs at Watkins Glen on, on July 4th on Independence Day. But, or, but uh, you know, in this case, you know, that's not something they can accommodate. It's not anyone's fault. It's just, you know, mm-hmm. what series are on a certain dance card. And for IndyCar's sake, and I think it was probably a little underwhelming with the turnout they've had the last two years. Portland is a track that uh, has a bit of a history. It has local support behind it, which is kind of important. Um doesn't have a title sponsor yet. It was just announced as Grand Prix of Portland, but Mark Miles said that's something they're working on. Uh, it'll fall into the same Labor Day weekend. So um, as we've seen with kind of revived events from IndyCar, it's been kind of hit or miss. Gateway was huge, but that's because they had a big title sponsor activating. Watkins Glen's now off. Phoenix has been kind of dodgy, but of course we've seen what's happened at Road America. That's been a, a hit and a half. So I think Portland will fall probably in the middle of those, of those just when you look at it. Um, it's a market that's been underserved really by all forms of, of racing for about a decade. You know, NASCAR doesn't really have anything up there. There's no sports car races. So um, we'll, we'll see how it goes. But um, Mexico is also still a possibility, but it seems like because they want to make things happen, they want to run it in early august which would be would be nuts but uh that'd be really hot uh, you wouldn't know, it? it'd be really hot so um 
Or we'll can, we'll could they run it as a night race? Added. No, they couldn't run it as a night race. Um, I mean, you could run part way. of it. I mean, part of it runs through a stadium, but I mean, I don't, I don't really think they would have the infrastructure for that. Yeah, they would. They'd be up against it. I know they've they've had some late afternoon races there in the past. Uh, certainly, you'd have to get flood lighting or other other sort of temporary lighting into to help the circumstances uh, if that were the case. You know, a uh, silly season, of course. You know, drivers switching back and forth. Tony Kanai going to uh, AJ Foyt Racing. There's been other movements and whatnot. But more important, this is kind of the behind the scenes. This is, which in, in in many ways can be just important as to drivers are the engineers. And uh, you have a nice write up in uh, in that that you wrote up earlier on, on the engineers and in, in, in the movement. Kind of kind of walk the 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 listeners uh, th- how how that goes about. Right, so no different than in NASCAR where you've got a good driver-crew chief relationship. It's very similar to having IndyCar, and uh, guys click either in their first year together. This year's champion, Joseph Newgarden, had a new engineer in uh, Brian Campy. Um, Alexander Rossi was really good as a rookie, but he was even better this year with another new engineer, and Joseph's old engineer, Jeremy Millis. So there's how the guys mesh together is is going to be very interesting and especially with a new car so the more i thought about it the more i was like well we've already hit all the driver components or most of them but the engineering side there's there's a lot of changes so felio castroneves gone to sports cars his engineer is going with him uh so he's not staying in indycar except for the two races he comes back then at schmidt peterson where Official announcement probably forthcoming next week about uh, James Hinchcliffe's re-signing. He's wanted Robert Wickens alongside. If it happens, great. It looks like it will. Um, but Hinchcliffe's unfortunately been something of an engineer killer. Through no, I don't know if it's through any fault of his own or just circumstances. But you know, the guy said Craig Hampson and who did mm-hmm. some success with Sebastian Bourdais, and he's had Nathan O'Rourke, Tino Belli. Now he's had Alan McDonald. Alan is now gone to uh, Carpenter Racing, where he'll work with Spencer Piggott. Uh, Spencer's a guy that I think is kind of the early contender to make a big leap forward in performance based on uh, testing that he's been able to do. He tested at Road America last week, which was their their first time working together. Ganassi has a lot of engineering changes with two cars uh, going away. That moves two or three of its guys off. Eric Cowden goes with Canon to Foyt. Um, who does Sato get his engineer? Does his guy from Andretti State go with him, or does he, you know, Ray Hall rely on their strength and depth that they have? So, uh, just as just as much as the driver movement is seeing the guys that are the primary uh, engineers for for the drivers. So it's a it's an interesting component. Uh, there's probably I would say 50% turnover uh, in terms of driver team and or team engineer combinations. Have I, have I missed anything? In terms of IndyCar, I think I think we're much touched everything. Yeah, I mean it's uh, kind of waiting for I think four or five things to fall through. The uh, the Hartley thing is now kind of the next big question mark because depending on how his F1 deal goes and if Toro Rosso pries him away from uh, from his projected IndyCar seat, well then suddenly that opens up a primo seat that's been earmarked for him. So and that would be interesting. There's plenty of guys. There's plenty of guys, plenty of young drivers, you know, R.C. Enerson, who we've talked about before, Connor Daly, Carlos Munoz, Sage Karam, Matthew Brabham, on down the line. You know, there's mm-hmm. there's there's a good core. You know, what does Kyle Kaiser do? You know, the Indy Lights champion. You know, I think people are kind of expecting he'll jump up with Junkos, but 
that's not necessarily set in stone either. You know, he could be a really good fit at Ed Carpenter's team in the road course races. So um, still a bit to play out. It's gone a bit quiet uh, on the home front, um, but we'll see what happens over the, the coming weeks. I think after the Sonoma season finale, everyone's kind of packed up shop and, uh, you know, they'll get back into prep work for the next uh, next little bit of time of testing. Well, the good news is that it's only 147 days to the IndyCar opener. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Goes by like clockwork. <laughs> Tony, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, it's always a pleasure, and uh, hopefully we'll talk to you in the next uh, few weeks here as the season closes down. Oh, before right. we go, though, uh, we need to uh, uh, get your prediction for Talladega. Oh, boy. Um, it's like picking a needle in a haystack, just which one doesn't apply. Yeah, just kind of close your eyes and just point at the paper the last time i'm gonna have the chance to pick dale jr at talladega and what better storyline could nascar ask for uh considering they've not had a, a run of great news or great ratings lately so all right I'm gonna, I'm gonna dale go jr idiot. i like it very good tony thank you so much for joining us and uh make sure you check out all his stuff at nbcsports.com and uh make sure to check out the motor section at the drop down menu tony thank you appreciate for, for joining the show cool take care guys thanks Thank you. That was Tony DeZeno joining us on the Great Midwest Bank Hotline. When we come back, we'll have our predictions, and we'll also hear from Matt Kenseth, who was talking to the uh, press corps down at Talladega yesterday. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.